Good morning, family. We're about halfway through the season of Easter. To celebrate, I'm going to read two texts today. But let's begin in the Gospel according to John. Here's the context. Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room before the crucifixion. Jesus has washed the disciples' feet and Judas has left to betray Jesus. Okay? So let's read John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. Hear the word of the Lord. When Judas was gone, Jesus said, Now the human one has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify the human one in himself, and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I'm with you for a little while longer. You will look for me. But just as I told the Jewish leaders, I also tell you now, where I am going, you can't come. I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, when you love each other. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. So we say, thanks be to God. I promised you two texts, didn't I? Well, here's the second. It's found in the Old Testament book of Leviticus. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19.18 Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, let's couple that with Jesus' instruction to his disciples. I give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. Do you see a theme here? The instruction is to love each other. The expectation is that the people of God, the followers of Jesus, would love each other. The first comes from the Old Testament book of Leviticus. It's part of the instructions God gave to Moses. It's part of the law, part of the covenant. The second is from the New Testament Gospel of John, and it's part of Jesus' final instructions to his disciples the night before his death. Let's look at these two announcements. We tend to think of the Old Testament in terms of a harsh law and a vengeful God, don't we? But in the New Testament, we find the story of a loving God. We tend to think of the book of Leviticus as one of those ancient books full of strange commands and curious limits on our behavior. And what do they all mean? Did you know that it's the Apostle Paul's fault that we think of the Old and New Testaments in this way? Paul made a distinction between the old life of the law and the new life in Christ. And that distinction is even clear in the way we refer to them, Old and New Testaments. Personally, I think it's much more helpful to refer to them as the Hebrew Bible or the Hebrew Scriptures and the Christian Bible or the Christian Scriptures. But we should note that the books in our Hebrew Scriptures, for example, are not in exactly the same order as they appear in the Jewish canon. But it does help us to honor their origins, which I think is important, right? And it can also begin to do away with the sense that new is somehow better than old. After all, both sources contain the story of the people of God and their efforts to understand their relationship with God. 
And even today, we can find connection and meaning in these stories. Of course, the Hebrew Bible does contain many hard stories of conflict and conquest. It contains stories of violence and harsh judgment. It's a struggle to recognize the God who would not only allow, but also encourage the violent takeover of people and nations, or that God punished seemingly minor infractions with death. We look at the detailed requirements of the law, and we question why such precision was even necessary. But the Hebrew Bible also contains evidence of a loving God in many stories of God creating, rescuing, and providing for God's people, and in calling them back again and again through the prophets. Even the details of the law, once we get beyond the minutiae, are less about exact behavior than they are about how to live in community and how to treat one another. All that to say, the verse from Leviticus that I mentioned a moment ago comes from a portion that speaks about how God's people are to take care of the stranger, the orphan, and the widow, the marginalized and needy members of the community. It's a section about fairness and truth-telling, about justice and ethical behavior. It's about love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Or maybe it could be said like this, take care of others the way you take care of yourself. Or think as highly of others as you think of yourself. Now, in the Gospel today, Jesus reminds his disciples about all of this. Have you ever noticed that again and again in the Gospels, Jesus talks about these same issues over and over? Jesus constantly brings up issues like justice and fairness and ethical behavior. He's always going on and on about helping the last, the least, the lost, and the left out. And he insists that these are the behaviors of the kingdom of God. And wasn't it Jesus who, when he was questioned about the law, said that the greatest commandments are to love God and love your neighbor as yourself? Didn't he say that all the law and the prophets depend on these two? Jesus was passing on the most basic and ancient tenets of his Jewish tradition. He said it over and over again in many different ways. And he showed us that the basis of God's kingdom is that God was real and revealed through him. And this is the kingdom that we as his followers are to make real in this world here and now. Love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus said. Intellectually, this makes sense, right? But isn't it interesting how we always focus on the love your neighbor part of the equation and skip over the injunction to love yourself? How is it that after all these years, we have come to believe that we can ignore that part, that we only have to obey half of the command? How is it that love of self came to be equated with narcissism and selfishness and that hatred of self or belittling of self came to be seen as the correct way. The command is to love your neighbor as yourself. So how do we think we can love others if we never learn to love ourselves? How do we learn to cherish others? How do we learn to care for them if we never learn to do the same for ourselves? We live in a culture that devalues us 
and worships death. A society in which people drink and drug themselves into oblivion out of desperation. A world in which women and girls are taught to starve themselves or undergo dangerous procedures in order to fit some unrealistic image of beauty and worth. A culture in which people and relationships are sacrificed on the altar of workaholism. We live in a world in which cyber reality has replaced our personal connections, and now we don't have to deal with real people very much anymore. We live in a society in which power at the end of a gun is the ultimate high, a culture in which the myth of safety is used to hold us hostage, a world in which war is seen as the only appropriate response. Everything, it seems, denies our basic human worth. So how are we to love ourselves when we are told and shown over and over again that we are unlovable? How do we reclaim our basic worth? How do we become whole, healed, holy people? Here is where the old and the new merge. Both the Hebrew and the Greek speak to us of our value, of our worth, of God's love for us. In the beginning, God looked upon the creation, which included human beings, and said it was very good. Jesus said, blessed are you. Of course, there are stories of violence and betrayal in the Bible and in our lives. And yes, we make mistakes and act out of fear and hatred. We too often destroy ourselves and each other and the rest of creation. But ultimately, our story is one of love and redemption. Ultimately, our story is Easter, isn't it? In both Testaments, God calls us back to himself again and again and again. Even when we don't know it or hear it, God knows, and he calls us beloved. As God's creation, as God's beloved, you have intrinsic worth. God does not ask you to dismiss that or to reject that, but to deeply accept it, to open yourself to it, and to care for yourself and to honor yourself as worthwhile to nurture yourself and your gifts, and to work to bring forth the kingdom. It's like the advice we give to new mothers to take a nap of their own when their baby takes a nap, right? We tell them to take care of themselves so that they will have the resources to care for their babies. In the same way, we have to take care of ourselves before we can care for others. We must fill our well before we can give anything to others. This is not narcissism or selfishness, which comes from fear and self-loathing, but self-love and wisdom. As we read through the Gospels, we find that Jesus often cared for himself by going off alone to pray and to refresh himself. He got away from the crowds and the demands. Only then did he have anything to give to those who came to hear him speak or who came to him for help. So what's the point? The point is that if we follow Jesus' example, we will take care of ourselves. If we follow Jesus' example, we will treat ourselves with love and nurture and care. Only then can we provide for others. Only out of love can we truly love our neighbors. Only by learning to love ourselves can we really learn to love each other. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Good and gentle God, you call us to love those whom you would love and give us the words to say. 
You call us to bring wholeness to lives that are broken and give us the words to say. You call us to bring comfort to those who are grieving and give us the words to say. You call us to bring good news to those who are seeking and you give us the words to say. Your word, living water in desert sands. Your word, blossoming in parched earth. Your word, bearing fruit wherever it is sown. This morning we continue to pray for peace, peace in the Ukraine and wherever and whenever anyone is being wronged by their enemies. We pray for peace for those who are feeling the stress, pressure, and uncertainty. Again, Father, we pray for those who are sick. We ask for your healing. We pray for everyone who is in pain. We pray for those who are tired, for folks who are uncertain, and for those who need direction. Help us to love the things that you love and to be made angry by the things that make you angry. Now, using the words debts and debtors, let us pray with boldness the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me today. Was this message helpful to you? If so, will you like, review, and share this podcast? Also, if you have a need or prayer request, please leave a message in the comment section and be assured that I will be praying for you and for your need. This week, your job is to love at least three people and make sure at least one of them doesn't deserve it. Because everyone needs love. And everyone needs to know that God loves them, no matter what. Remember, with Jesus, we always, always, always have hope. Now, receive these words of benediction. May the Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and grant you his peace. Amen? Amen.